Okay. Well, I wasn't going to do this to you. Brother Roger asked me if I would go ahead and do one more part on discernment. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. Um, Let's start off on Proverbs chapter number 7. And we're going to start in verse number 1. So here the Holy Spirit says, My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments and live, and my law is the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy, thy fingers, write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom, Thou art my sister, and call understanding thy kinswoman, that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. All right. In this, uh, let's, let's do this. Let's do a little bit of maybe an interactive review before we move on. Who remembers at least part of the definition of discernment as we've looked at it? Who can maybe give a, a stab at that? What is discernment by definition? Whether it's dictionary or, or biblical, either way. My wife has one. Go ahead. Okay, the ability to tell the difference between things. Anyone else? Yes. To discriminate? Yes. That's like an auction, sister. If you move, you're going to get called on. Anyone else? Okay. Yes. To separate. That's right. So all of those are contained. And really, sometimes a word in the Word of God is not subjective to what we want it to mean, but the word's definition can change depending on the context. And I hope you understand that. So sometimes, you know, you can't always apply the exact same definition on a word all the way through the Word of God because sometimes that's going to lead you astray. The, the context is what's going to decide. Really, you know, it's, it's really the parts of, of speech and, and, and how it's used in the English language. And because of that, it matters because definitions do change based on parts of speech and how language changes, okay? So do understand that. But all of those are right. And uh, so I want to look at tonight, we, we've talked about already and, and tried to teach through a, an overview of discernment and how it worked. And then we looked at last time I taught on this, on discerning ourselves, which I think is the most important part of that, discerning myself and so I want to say then, in, in light of that, that it's after I've discerned myself, or let me say it this way, once we've discerned ourselves, then that gives us liberty and better ability to discern someone else. And that's why I think it's important for me to discern myself first. Make sure I'm in the right spirit, that I'm walking with the Spirit of God, that I'm led by the Word of God and the Spirit of God before I start then trying to apply this to another person's life. And we've already talked about that a little bit, all right? Tonight, we're going to start in this Proverbs chapter number 7, and I mentioned it at the end of the last message. And in this, we all know, if you've read Proverbs 7, we all know what it's about, and it's about really telling the story of how this uh, how Solomon's looking out his window and he watches this young man go into disaster with the woman that's called the strange woman. The strange woman, in the Word of God, is someone who's not my wife but tries to behave that way. Okay, Whether I treat her that way or whether she behaves that way toward me, she's the strange woman. And, 
And I'll tell you, I got myself in some hot water once when I first started in, in Australia. I said to a guy, I said, you know, your wife's a strange woman to me. <laughs> well, he didn't take that right. He thought I meant that she was behaving that way. And what I meant is, is that she's none of my property. She is, doesn't belong to me. We don't interact with each other the way me and my wife would. And he comes into this chapter and, and just maybe just a, an overview of an outline here. Verses 1 through 4, the exhortation. And that exhortation is that you would keep the word that he's speaking to us. Let's look at it in the context of our Father, God the Father, speaking to us and exhorting us and saying, keep my words and my commandments. And so he gives us the exhortation. But verse number five, he gives us the motivation for it. And that's that they may keep thee from the strange woman, from the stranger with flattereth with, which flattereth with her words. So his concern is that his son not be taken in that. And then he gives from verse 6 to verse number 23 an illustration. And the illustration is where we're going to spend the the focus of our time uh, tonight. And it's probably another one of those things. I spent all day thinking about it, meditating on it, and I'll probably still not finish everything that I have written down. But we're going to make a real real good whack at it. In this, uh, in this illustration, it's an, it's an illustration that works on two levels. There's two avenues taking place. One is that the young man in the illustration is not discerning. And two, it's Solomon discerning the young man. And it's the second one that I want to get to, but in order to do that, we need to look at the young man. And this is going to serve also a couple of purposes. It'll serve the purpose for, those of us, for us men to take heed and be careful. Uh, And young men, same thing. So it'll serve that purpose of of us being cautioned, but it'll also serve the purpose for us to be able to um, give a warning, give a warning if we can tonight, to to be watchful. And uh, I I lost my thought there, I apologize. That was just complete nonsense, what I just said right there. So you can't edit that out of the video, but that's just going to have to stay there, all right? All right, let's get into it here. And I'm going to be note-bound tonight because I've written down so many things. Uh, so we get an example tonight of how to discern and, and how there's failure, failure in discernment. Uh, when we're looking at somebody else's life, of course, it's meant to be in the context of 1 Corinthians chapter number 2. And there's, if you like to look at that, you're welcome to look at it with me. Very much Bible study tonight. But 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, as he deals here with, again, the subject of discernment, at the end of this chapter, he says, uh, the, uh, the natural man, in verse number 14, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. We often say, so the only way to understand the Bible is to compare the Bible with the Bible. And that's true, but that's not the actual, that's not the only application to that. Uh, the, the fact is, is that the Spirit of God will lead you and I in our thought processes and our decision making. And we use the Spirit of God also to, to compare that to the events of life and the, the things that we face day by day. Okay? And so I've got to take a spiritual thing and compare it with something spiritual the Word of God, the Spirit of God, sometimes the people of God. Uh, we can take our pastor. We can compare 
in a right sense, compare others to him and say, you know, he, he behaves himself. We see Christ in him in this matter. And can we compare someone else to that? And can we, can, do they measure up to that? Does that make sense to you what I'm saying? So we can compare that spiritual thing to that. But I want you to notice that the natural man, that's who I am as a natural person, that does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. And so in the natural sense, there's no way for me to discern properly. It's impossible for me to discern properly if I'm going to try to use what we call my horse sense. If my horse sense isn't Holy Spirit sense, it's nonsense. Okay? And then verse 15, he says, But he that is spiritual... Who's spiritual? The person who compares spiritual things with spiritual. The person who has the Spirit of God, who meditates on the Word of God, who looks for what is godly in the matter. He that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Uh, the, the spiritual man is making judgment of matters, of people, of decisions. And the unspiritual man isn't able to judge him because he's dealing with it spiritually and they're dealing with it in a carnal way. Now, that doesn't mean they don't have something to say about it. But the judgment fails because it's, it's founded wrong. Okay? Does that make sense? It's got a wrong foundation. Now watch. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. And that is the key. Having the mind of Christ as we make our judgment. The mind of the Lord. Knowing what God thinks on the matter. That's the key. And when we have the mind of Christ, then we're able to make spiritual judgment. But I've got to know I have the mind of Christ. Okay? So when we're making judgment... And, and back in Proverbs 7 of someone, uh, we're making judgment with the assumption that this isn't to be used by Christians now to run around saying, I'm discerning you, I'm discerning you, I'm discerning you because I'm walking with God. That's not how this is meant to be used. This is meant to be used in almost a quiet sense of, I see it, I understand it, here's what God has to say about it, the Holy Spirit's leading me in this manner, I know what I think of this, and I know why I think of it. And I don't have to tell anybody. One of the great signs of somebody growing up spiritually is that they don't have to blurt out everything that they think they know or think they see or think they understand. Uh, you know, there's, the, does not the book of Proverbs tell us that even a fool is esteemed a wise man when he holdeth his peace? Okay. So this isn't that. This isn't me running around trying to get into everybody's business making judgment, but rather I'm making judgment in my heart about the matter, and I live my life according to that judgment. Now, if they ask me, I can tell them, right? And there's some occasions where it's right for me to say something in the life of my children. It's right for me to interfere a little bit and, and make judgment and say something about it. But it is not right for me to run around through a church or through my workplace or wherever and, and and say, I've discerned you. Okay, I've discerned you on this. I've discerned you on that. That's not right. That's not what it's intended. It's meant to be the spiritual man. Okay? All right. So, how does discernment come? Verse number 13 of 1 Corinthians 2, by comparing. 
we compare spiritual things with spiritual. I have to compare. That's the only way. And, but I've got to have a baseline. Uh, if my baseline is my worldly thinking, I've got a bad baseline. If my baseline is the Spirit of God and the Word of God, and you understand those two work together all the time. If that's my baseline, now I've got a good foundation, and now I can start comparing. So this isn't, again, let me try to squash some things that often take place. I don't know if it happens here, but it often takes place. Is Well, this is the way I see it, and because I see it that way, and my family lives this way, or I do it this way, you should see it that way too, because that's the spiritual way to live or think or whatever. Well, that's wrong. That is just not how it works. Um, that's what our, you know, we believe as Baptists that we have individual soul liberty. That is, I have a right to believe the Bible any way I want it, but I'm responsible to practice it, and I'm responsible to answer to God for it. But I'm not responsible for you, and you're not responsible for me. Amen? Amen. Okay. Let's, let's dig around here a little bit. This, this man, in verse number 6, let's pick up where we left off there in Proverbs chapter number 7. That's what I was going to say before. I can almost erase the nonsense. This is an opportunity for us as dads and granddads to be able to instruct the young men under our charge in what to look for. Because this is destroyed, multiplied, maybe millions of men. And in the end of the passage, it says many strong men, many strong men. And so let he that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. Verse number six, for at the window of my house, I looked through my casement. Paint the picture in your mind. He's standing at his window. He looks out the window. Verse number seven, and beheld among the simple ones. And the first thing I want to say about this as Solomon's discerning the young man, as he says, that's a simple young man. I can see it. How does he know that? Well, he's going to explain how he knows. But in his simplicity, there's two types of simplicity in the book of Proverbs, in the, in the Word of God. Uh, one is simple concerning things which are evil. That's a good simple. Uh, you know, the world says they're naive, but they use it derogatorily. I want my family to be naive concerning what this world's all about. And of course, the Holy Spirit said it is a shame to speak of those things that they do in private, in secret. I want them to be simple about it. I don't want them to know all that stuff. Let me just give a little personal testimony here. Um, The church that I grew up in would speak about those things openly from service to service to service to service to service. It was kind of, we were a bunch of nutcases is what we were. But they would speak about things that now I look at and I think, I do not want the ears of my children to hear about it because I don't want any seeds planted in their minds and their hearts about those things. And soon enough, the world will get it into them some way, somehow. They don't need to come to this place where there's meant to be purity and hear it from the pulpit. I want them to be simple. I want them to not know what the filthy jokes mean, the off-color things mean. That's a great way to live. 
The second type of simple that we're talking about here is a simpleton who is influenced by sometimes good, sometimes evil. And this guy is going to be tempted by evil because he has no foundation. He doesn't understand life, and he's in a place where he shouldn't be, and it's going to overcome him. So he says about him, he's, he's simple in a bad sense. He's influenced to evil. Well, we've already looked at the fact that that means he lacks wisdom and he lacks understanding. And because of that, then, here's what it leads to. In verse number 8, he doesn't, this young man doesn't discern his way. He doesn't discern his way. Verse number 8. Uh, let's pick up verse 7 for the whole context again. And behold, and beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding, passing through the street near her corner, and he went the way to her house. So he's not discerning where he's at, which way his feet are pointed and where that path leads to. He's not discerning it. He's not discriminating. This is a good path. This is a bad path. And, of course, ladies, this applies to you. Not, you know, in this context, you have to just make application because the same can be true for you. Uh, but obviously, it's men who have this battle more than women, and that's why you see it discussed so much in the book of Proverbs about that. But we make application. And I need to be able to look at my life and, and see where, am I at? where are my feet headed? Am I being prudent? That word prudent means am I being circumspect or am I being careful of the consequences? Am I being cautious about my life? And this young man isn't. And so Solomon, as he watches, he looks down there and, and I, I've mulled this over and I, I, don't, I can't be dogmatic one way or the other, but I, I think what he's saying is I see this young man amongst other young men, but there's something particular about him. By watching him, I see that he's simple, and I can see that he's now wandering away from the others, and he's headed down a path where there's evil waiting. And he says, I discerned him among the youths. And he's, he's not discerning his way. Now a prudent man, the Bible says, foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. But the simple pass on and are punished. And this man's going to be punished. And so he says, you know, he's not discerning his way. And I would say this about this young man. There's no way by what we know about him that we could say he has evil in his heart. I don't think that he's going looking for the strange woman, but he's just simple. And he doesn't know that the way he's headed is going to take him to the strange woman. And maybe somebody's warned him along the way to say, hey, you stay away from that part of town Stay away from that street, that path. Stay away from that place in the application of our life. That place, those people, that group. Stay away from that because you just don't understand what's waiting for you. So he's not going looking for evil. And I wouldn't even say that necessarily he's a rebel in his heart. But he is not discerning. All right, so he's... Because he doesn't discern the way that he's in, he doesn't understand that while he's not looking for evil, in his simplicity, evil's looking for him. And that's true in all our lives. It's waiting for us evil, waiting for us to make a wrong decision and not discern the way that we're on. So where are my feet pointed? 
Where are my paths? And, and, you know, if somebody's observing my life, are they observing that, you know, if that happened once in that person's life, anybody can end up in the wrong place and, and have not known it and they've corrected it and not gone back. Anyone can do that. But if they keep going back to that same place and they keep going and going and going, I can discern something about them. There's something wrong in their heart. They're either simple, persuaded by foolishness, or there is evil in their hearts. And I don't have to, you know, I don't have to see the end of the matter. I can see it just based on what the Word of God says about it. So he doesn't discern his way. Verse number nine, he doesn't discern the time. He's doing this according to verse number nine in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. Now look, you know, John chapter number 3. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. But I'm willing to say he's not looking for evil, as I've already said. But he's not being smart about the timing of his decisions either. You know, there are places that uh, you and I can go in the daylight that would be okay. And you don't have any business being there. In the twilight hours. The timing of what we do, what we do, or where we go, really does matter. Um, So there's examples that abound. And not only is he headed then in a bad direction, but he's compounding the problem with bad timing. I think about Paul when he went down to Jerusalem. And there's always been a debate, and I'm not sure why, but there's always been a debate. Should Paul have gone or shouldn't he have gone? Was he led by the Spirit or was he not led by the Spirit? The Bible says that Agabus spoke by the Spirit of God saying, you shouldn't go, and he went anyway. And what happened to him? He ended up arrested, and he got all sorts of trouble. He's in jail. And so, you know, Paul, as good a Christian as he is, was, Bad timing. He didn't discern the timing of his trip to Jerusalem. And because he didn't discern that trip and the timing of the trip, he ended up arrested. Now, if, if Paul can do that, you and I can do that and not discern the timing of what we're doing. And then the young man goes on and he's not discerning the woman. And that's found in verses 10 through 21. So let's do it this way for the sake of time. The first thing he doesn't discern about her is her attire. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot. And it goes on and says, subtle the heart. But let's look about that attire. I'm not going to preach a dress standard to you. It's not my business to do that. That's between you and the Lord, and you have to be accountable to him for that. But I know this, that the Bible makes it clear that there's certain clothing that a harlot wears. And because she put that on, he should have known. This is a bad place for me to be and a bad time for me to be here. And the best thing I can do is do a 180 and get out of here. But because he's simple, he lacks wisdom, he lacks understanding, he continues down that path. Maybe he convinced himself in his heart, I can handle it. But we can't handle it. That's the lack of discernment. That's the bad judgment at work is not being able to see I've landed myself in a place where I shouldn't be. 
I got to get out. And so he doesn't, he doesn't discern her attire. And then he doesn't discern her heart. And again, remember now, Solomon's in the window. Watching the whole thing. All right, he says again at the end of verse number 10, what kind of heart does she have? She's subtle of heart. She's crafty. Just like the serpent in the garden was. She's very crafty. I know, you know, I know what they say about the attire of a harlot, and I know that I've got it on, but it, it doesn't mean to me what it means to them. Very subtle about it. Well, I'm not, I'm not a harlot. And he should have discerned that. He, he couldn't see into her heart because he's not paying attention to where he is and when he's there and the, place, you know, the places now that he's traveled. And he can't see, you know, this, this speaks volumes about you. Uh, the way you're dressing is speaking volumes about you. The fact that you're out at this hour, that speaks volumes about... He's not looking at her heart. And now she's going to open her mouth and start talking and he should have discerned that and he doesn't do that either. But before we get there, he doesn't, he doesn't discern her mannerisms or her manners. In verse number 11, 12, and 13, she is loud and stubborn. Um, I, I've wanted to preach this to our young men uh, waiting to get married in our church in Australia. And I will, I will. I'll get them all together and preach it. But I'll tell you what, a young man should be real cautious about a woman who's loud. Can I say that, ladies? Are you all right with that? When the Bible says that the woman who wins her husband is of a meek and quiet spirit. Can I say that? The stubborn, loud woman. Ooh. Wait a minute. Something's wrong here. They don't have the Spirit of God at work in them. Maybe Brother Roger will never have me preach again. (laughs) She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Do you see what I'm saying? Where should she be at that hour? At home. But she's not. And the young man missed it. Why are you out? Why are you so loud? You know, sometimes the loud ones are the most flirtatious ones. They're the most enticing ones. They're the ones that make young men, if you listen to me please, they make you laugh and smile. And they ride the edge a little bit and they arouse your lust. And she's stubborn, but we wouldn't want to call it stubborn, at least not in the carnal natural world, would we? We'd want to just say, well, she's tenacious. She's determined. She's stubborn. And we already know what the Bible says about stubbornness. Let's go on. And I want you guys to, I want the ladies to know tonight, I am not taking aim at you. <laughs> I'm trying to help the young men and the older men how we discern. And so, verse number 12, she's, now is she without, now in the streets. And lieth wait at every corner. It's as though this woman positions herself so that if he takes a turn, well, she just gets around the other way to get in his way. 
And so she's lying in wait. Verse number 13, so she caught him and kissed him and with an impudent face, it says, said unto him, a shameless face. Well, yes, I'm married. And yes, I'm out at this hour. And yes, I'm dressed the way I'm dressed. And yes, my mannerisms aren't very good, but I don't have any shame over it. This is just who I am. Hmm. Now, again, we're not, we're not focused on this woman as much as we're focused on discernment. Why didn't he discern her manners? Because he's simple, and he lacks wisdom, and he lacks understanding, and he doesn't know what he's doing, and he's being overcome of evil because he simply doesn't know how to discriminate between a godly woman and an ungodly woman. So now she speaks, and he doesn't discern her words. And her words are these. I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. She's uh, evidently a religious woman. And she keeps her word. At least in some sense. Therefore came I forth to meet thee. That's important. You know what she's doing? She's on the hunt. And it's not only Solomon who discerned the simple man here. She discerned him too. I've had my eye on you for a while. You simple little guy. You cute little thing. (laughs) And I'm coming after you because I think I have a chance with you. And... um, Verse 16, I have decked my bed with coverings, and now she entices his lusts. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let us solace ourselves with loves. And she reveals now what she is. She's an adulteress. But he's too far in the trap. For the good man is not at home. He has gone a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed. You know what she said to him in our terminology today? No one will ever know. So don't worry about it. And um, verse 21 with her much fair speech. Why didn't he discern it? Because it, in, in one sense, it's fair speech. That's, it's easy to be received, and it suits me, and it caresses me, but it's caressing the wrong part of me. Yeah. It's caressing my natural man, my lustful man, my sinful man. Yeah. So it, he didn't discern that. Uh, her much fair speech, now, she caused him to yield... And then notice with the flattering of her lips, she forced him. She flatters him to a degree where he is an ox led to the slaughter. That's what it talks about. Okay? Well, this is this young man. He didn't discern. And there's many who don't have the wisdom and understanding just like this youth. It doesn't just have to be uh, this young man's folly that we're talking about here. There's many people who are simple in the wrong sense. 
And can I say also, as long as there's a few young people in here, can I say to you that sometimes what you view as your parents or another adult intruding into your life is really them understanding things that you don't understand because in those matters you're simple. And, and because of that, you need us to step in. Young men, young ladies, you need us to step in and say, I know you don't see it this way. I'm going to help you see what you need to see so you don't end up where this guy ends up. Amen. And you need that. That's one of the blessings of parents who take responsibility for their children and get involved where we need to get involved. You know, my, my job as a parent, it seems I talk about parenting a lot. My job as a parent isn't to be my kid's best friend. My job as a parent is to raise them so that they can walk with God and then I don't have to be their voice. The Holy Spirit will be the voice because they've learned to listen to Him through my leadership and my wife's leadership. And if I'll do that, guaranteed their heart right, my heart right, we'll be good friends. But I don't, I don't need to be their best friend. They don't have to necessarily like me for me to be doing right. But I'm telling you, if their heart's right with God, they'll like me a whole lot when they figure out that what they were taught and, and the interventions that were done in their life were done for their good and it saved them a world of heart, heartache and hurt and trouble. And, you know, I don't know what it is about this generation thinking kids can raise themselves, but it's lunacy. So there's many people that are simple in the wrong sense, and they don't discern what's before them. They don't discern what's around them. But I want to say it can be seen by others. And if someone else can see it and tell me about it, then I really want to have a heart for somebody to be able to speak to me on those terms. That's what I was talking about Sunday morning. And Brother Emerson, I absolutely appreciate what you said. You know, it doesn't mean I'm ready to bear my heart to you. I agree with that. We've we got to choose very carefully who can do those things in our life. But I, I do want to be open to somebody being able to speak into my life out of love and care, concern and wisdom for things that I don't understand and to speak into that and that I'll yield to what they say and, under, and take it and compare it to the Word of God, discern it by the Word of God, and if it's right, it's right, whether I like it or not. And so, again, I don't know if you're seeing my cross over here, but the young man didn't discern, but Solomon did. And if Solomon could have spoken to this young man's life, he may have saved him the problem. And there may be things in our lives that you and I can't discern and pray that God would send somebody that will speak into our lives that can discern it for us. And so that's the thing that I wanted to, to try to tie in then tonight very briefly is the discerning of people. Uh, as I've already said and mentioned, this isn't uh, con- confined just to this young man's folly. There's other things in life that we need people to speak to us about, but we need to be able to discern about other matters in life. I believe that charitable observation of people in order to discern them is good. Does that make sense? Since it's Bible study, can I ask you to respond to that? Is that okay? Does that make sense? Charitable 
observation of someone's life is good. If I'm trying to discern them. Because a chari- the charity is such that I'm not going to be critical. The charity is there to help me love them properly. But I'm still observing. I can tell you that having pastored people for more than 20 years now, I guess 25 years, something like that, I've, I've lost track, but that I find myself constantly doing this. And I'm not doing it because I'm trying to compartmentalize them or put them in a box or that I'm trying to, you know get something on them but rather I just find myself all the time I watch people and I watch and I I think about oh I've seen them do this several times that's interesting and I've seen that I've heard that I've I've watched this and pretty soon you start to build this picture and I found that there's patterns in the lives of people and often I can um, I can say I think that this and this and this is what's going to happen next and you know many times it's right and I'm not I'm not giving myself credit I'm saying it's the word of God and the Spirit of God who have brought that about. Do you understand what I'm saying? So charitable observation is good. And we can see someone's behavior. We can see someone's lack of wisdom, their lack of understanding, their simplicity about the evil that waits for them, and we can discern that they're void of understanding. At the same time, we could do it the other way. We could discern their good behavior, their wisdom, their understanding, their uh, not their foolishness, but rather, again, their, the wisdom of their ways and, and how they walk circumspectly and carefully and see that they're a wise person. And there's a few examples, and, and I'm watching the time. I really don't plan to, to go too much here, but there's a few examples that I was thinking about in the Bible to illustrate then how we can discern other people. Uh, I was looking at First John, if you would. You can leave Proverbs now. 1 John chapter number 4. And the first thing that I would say tonight as we're, as we're discerning people, and this puts me in the hot seat, is uh, we need to discern those who claim to speak on behalf of the Lord. So 1 John chapter 4, verse number 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit. Now the spirit is what, what compels somebody to something or drives them. What's, what's behind what they say or the attitude behind what they say. So beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And then he tells you how to discern them. Hereby know we the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus uh, Christ is come in the flesh is of God. All right? So he's telling you how to do it. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now already is it in the world. So that's dealing specifically with the spirit of Antichrist. But I would say this, and I've said it many times, that we need to discern what's being said to us by those who claim to be speaking for God. And uh, Brother Hoots, I think, said it a few weeks ago. He said, when I'm going and hearing preaching, um, I'm looking for truth, and I'm, I'm listening, and I'm trying to receive truth, but that doesn't mean everything they say I receive. Now, if I don't receive it, I better have the right foundation of comparison. You understand? This isn't about what I like and what I don't like or how 
you know, if someone doesn't say it the way I don't like it or says it the way I don't like it, that's not good enough. But I've got to discern the spirit behind those who claim to speak for God. Another thing I saw as an illustration here is Matthew chapter number 21. And this is, again, just being a counselor of people. This comes up a lot. Matthew chapter number 21. Matthew chapter number 21, and uh, look here at verse 23 down to verse number 27. Very familiar story here. But watch how the Lord Jesus discerns these guys. Matthew 21, verse 23. And when he was come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? And I love how Jesus responds, because he was going to respond now not... He's not offended that they've asked a question, but he's just saying, well, hang on. Let me ask you a question. Let's see where you're at. Let's see what kind of spirit you got. And Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or of men? And they reason with themselves, saying, if, he shall say, if we shall say from heaven... He will say unto us, Why did you not then believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. And he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. That's the Lord discerning those men. And here's, here's the principle. We need to discern the spirit behind the questions that were asked. Because there's a lot of people out there that they... They've got impure motives like these people. They've got impure motives for asking questions. All they're trying to do is trap the Lord Jesus. And they didn't care one way or the other whether John's baptism, or excuse me, what the authority was. They're, they, they're trying to trap him into saying something that they can arouse anger in the crowd and uh, they think then remove him from his position. But, you know, people ask you questions from time to time. And you've got to be able to, to discern them. What are their motives? Yeah. Why are you asking me this? Yeah. And the way he handles it is, of course, brilliant to then turn and ask a question back. Yeah. But there's other people, they'll ask questions, and, and they're asking because, uh, you know, again, they're, they're, they're looking to trap you, or uh, they want to hear their own opinion parroted back to them. I can't tell you how many times I've been asked a question, and it's set up in such a way that if I answer, they, they've said it and phrased it in such a way that I'd say, well, technically what you're saying is true, but I don't like the spirit behind it. I'm not answering that question. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not siding with you because you've got the wrong motive. Whether it's trying to prove somebody wrong or prove their point or establish themselves in some matter. And again, I, I'm just telling you by personal experiences, I've yeah. done this. And I say it again, I'm not the gospel, I'm not the standard, and you can disregard it if you want. I'm telling you how I use what I've learned, okay? And people will ask me questions, and I will simply say to them, I'm not answering that question. I don't think you have the right spirit behind it. Or people will ask a question and say, what do you think about that? And my answer sometimes might just be, 
if things are as you say they are, then my response would be, because there's always two sides to the story, right? But people want to hear their own opinion. And then there's people that just want to have the opportunity to tell you what they think. And they've asked the question because they just want to be able to tell you what they think. So they just save the time and tell me what you think. You know, people ask questions. They're not there to learn. They're not looking for instruction. They're not looking for help. They're asking questions because they want to inform you. Now, if somebody does that and they can't answer simple questions in response, I'm talking about simple questions in response, then it's easy to discern them. They got the wrong spirit. This is all wrong. Do you understand? Now, we're just talking about how we discern people in the Word of God. Let's do maybe one more and and we'll, now let's do, let's do two more. Can we hang on that long? We'll be quick. I won't elaborate so much. Nehemiah chapter number six. Nehemiah 6, I promise you, we will get one, then we'll get two, and then we'll be done. You can't be around Brother Roger very long without wanting to say, and then we'll go to the house. (laughs) All right, Nehemiah chapter number 6 and verse number 10. So here's Nehemiah, he's trying to do this great work for God. And it says, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 10, Afterward I came unto the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mahatabiel. Who was shut up, and he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us uh, shut the doors of the temple, for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night will they come to slay thee. And I said, Should such a man as I flee? And who is there that, being as I am, would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And lo, I perceived that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me, for Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Therefore was he hired that I should be afraid and do so in sin, and that they might have matter for an evil report, that they might reproach me. This is discerning people that pretend to be helping you out, pretend to be on your side, but they're trying to lead you into a bad way. They're trying to get you to make decisions that aren't commensurate with leadership, with, with being in the position that you're in. And so they pretend to be on your side, but they're not. They're setting you up. And it seems like over and over again, when you deal with discernment in the Bible, someone's trying to set someone up. All right, so we'll leave that one there. And then let's finish up at Acts chapter number 17. Acts chapter number 17, and the Apostle Paul's been preaching in Thessalonica, and they, they want him out of town, man. They, so they gave him a most unwelcome exit. And uh, then you get down to verse number 11, he, he ends up over in Berea, and he preaches to them, and it says, verse number 11, Acts 17, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women, uh, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. All right, now I'm going to stop there, but we're going to pick up verse 13 in a second. I want you to see here discernment of those who are true Bible-believing people, and I'm not using that in the buzzword effect, but 
as it is just plainly, true Bible-believing people. And true Bible-believing people will listen to what's taught or what's preached and have a ready mind, and they'll take that and they'll mold that over, and then they'll go home and they'll discern it by the Word of God, and they'll respond to it. And it's, it's easy to discern who is listening to the Bible teaching in order to grow and learn and be edified and be helped, and those who aren't. Because those who aren't end up in verse 13. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. See, non-Bible believing people, they don't care if you're preaching truth or not. They're going to oppose you regardless. You didn't say what I believe. You didn't teach it the way I believe it. You haven't presented it the way I like it. I'm going to oppose you. I'm going to stir up trouble. I'm going to talk about you. I'm going to get people aroused against you. Why? Because I don't like you. Well, what about the truth? I'm not interested in the truth. What I'm interested in is the way we do it, and the way we say it, and the way we practice it. Do you understand? And we can discern those kind of people. Bible-believing people, even if if a Bible-believing person hears something they don't agree with, they're able to say, I just don't think that lines up. But that's okay. And that's it. But that's okay. That's a measure of maturity. But if I got to keep going at it and going at it and going at it and going at it and picking at it and picking at it and picking at it, you know what that is? That's a measure of immaturity. Are we all right? Okay. I remind you again, Brother Roger asked me. to touch on this. And so I hope that you'll take it in the spirit that it's presented to help in charity and in love. Okay? All right. Father, thank you then for our evening. Thank you for uh, the truth of the Bible. It's amazing. And uh, I know, God, when we open up this book, the book is discerning us. And we want it to. And I pray tonight that wherever each individual is at, that they've been helped and the book has discerned them. It might be that some have been reproved. God, let them take that as being from you. It might be some have been encouraged. And again, let them take that from you. But I pray that you would make each of us to be discerning people. And I pray, God, especially in the, the, the passage in Proverbs Would you please put your hedge of protection and give wisdom to our young men and our young women. God, help them to preserve themselves, to be wise and understanding. And help them, God, to be humble enough to receive instruction as they need it. We want to see them live for you and be pure for you. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.